Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. Now I know. You know, when we um, honor our veterans, um, it's for me, this is just me personally speaking, it, um, it, always, it feels like it's never enough. Like you've, I've never said enough or we haven't shown that appreciation enough. In fact, uh, you know, on a bigger scale, that's how I feel sometimes when we've worshiped the Lord, when you're, it's never enough, it feels like um, uh, at times. And uh, some people, especially our younger people, need to understand the history of uh, what it means to serve and, 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 and the uh, attributes uh, that come out of serving um, by way of the military. But again, we, um, as we think about our, our military, um, there's, I, I, I was reluctant to start naming people that weren't here because I knew I'd forget some and I thought of two just in the, in the meantime. One is Bob McGee, he's not here today, he served. Um, we want to say thank you to Bob and um, Larry Wheeler. Well, Big Wheel is not here today. We want to uh, uh, recognize and say thank you to, um, to Larry Wheeler as well. You know, I shared this uh, every year. I read this, um, I don't know if it's a poem. I don't know what the grammatical term is. I'll have to ask Brittany on the grammar on this. But um, the, and I shared it on Wednesday night as well. But it's, and I'm going to share it again in the future, just so you know. Don't think that pastor needs to come up with new material. Truth is truth. So uh, this is something that I love as it relates to the veteran and how their sacrifice plays into how we're able to live and breathe today the way that we do. And it's this. There's uh, five little points. One is it's the veteran, not the preacher, who gave us the freedom of religion. Okay? Now, uh, don't... I want, I want to mark my words, but I also want to be careful because really it's not the veteran that gave us anything. Anything we have is from God. We, we recognize that. But perhaps the veteran has more influence than the preacher to give, to fight for the religious, uh, the freedom of religion. That's, of course, in our First Amendment. It's the veteran, not the reporter, who gives us the freedom of press. Why? We're fighting for and honoring that oath to the Constitution. Number three is it's the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to assemble. Number four, it's the veteran, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. And it's the veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. So um, that is just a, a poem or a, a saying that I absolutely fell in love with by way of showing honor and saying thank you as well. You can turn to the book of Judges this morning. The book of Judges. I love it when we do get to go to the uh, Old Testament. We, um, you may, I get to choose where we go. I, I do <laughs> um, recognize that. But we live in the New Covenant. And um, there's so much instruction in the New Testament on how to live each and every day. It's not about meeting once a week, coming together once a week, and being fed that is going to help you sustain daily life. You got to eat every day. Many of you, I bet you eat every single day. I bet you eat more than one time a day. I bet you maybe even graze or snack. That woke them up. Why do we think we can only feed on the Word of God one day a week? For a limited amount of time. 
and think that's just going to carry us for eternity. In our daily walk with him, we need to be eating, digesting, working. In our walk with him, we need to be taking in the word of God daily. It's the increments that get you to sanctification. It's not a, it's not a one and done. Now, when we talk about salvation, when you turn your life, your every aspect of your life, you're repentant. Ooh, I'm going to park on that word in a minute. When you turn that over to him, guess what? For salvation, for salvation, ooh, I love that stamp that says paid in full. I love that stamp. And that's the stamp that's placed over your name in the eternal books over your eternal soul. When you place your faith 100% in Christ. But I want us to talk today about the Christian, the believer, or the fight for truth. There's, in Old Testament Israel, they um, were in a, a bit of a spot. Why? Well, you'll see why. But Judges 6 is a parallel to a battle that Israel's in. I'm going to take that parallel and move it to our fight for truth, and I don't mean our fight against America or a fight against the world, just a fight for truth, period. You need truth in your life is what you need. All truth is God's truth. You need, you need truth in your life. You don't need unformed ideas. You don't need hypothesis to, stay, to make that the, 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 the groundwork for your life. You need a foundation, a foundation that can't be shaken. And that foundation for your life can only be found in truth, not the shifting sands of, of, uh, of, of spingolies or ideologies, but the truth of God's word. Well, Israel was in a spot. They were in a spot uh, many times like we are a lot like Israel. We put ourselves in a spot. You ever been in a spot before? Yeah, we've all been there. Now, um, and, and sometimes it's to our own doing. Even though, you ever been in that situation where you're like, I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be doing this. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. You ever been there? Ooh, okay, it got really quiet. So that means yes. So we've been there. Well, we know, and, and, and right at that, that line of, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And we go ahead and do it. Then we're shocked by the consequences. We're shocked. How did I get here? How this happened? Or the least little bit of discomfort from making that wrong decision. Least little bit comfort. We're going, oh God, I'm sorry. Oh God, oh God, just get me out of this jail. Oh God, it hurts. Well, guess what? That's where Israel is in this situation of Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at four points. We're going to see if I cover them all. In Judges, we're going to look at the reckoning, the reality the reluctance and the response. They all start with the letter R. The reckoning, the reality, the reluctance, and the response in this fight, and paralleling this fight that Israel had with the fight for truth. Okay? So, Judges chapter 6 is where I want you to turn and look at verses 1 through 10. Again, when we, a lot of times when we do these Old Testament uh, scriptures, we kind of read a lot to get the narrative, and then we'll pull out the principles and the applications, okay? So, the reality. What is the reality? You have to understand where you are at a given point in life. This is the reality of where I am. Not a made-up reality, but the reality of where I am. Uh, 
Judges chapter 6. Here we go. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, period. Do you see what happened right out of the gate? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't want truth. They didn't want right. They wanted what they wanted. They wanted evil. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian, hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and in strongholds, which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had, had sown, Midianites would show up. The, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. You know what's interesting in, in verse 3 is enemies. The, the Midianites and Amalekites are enemies until they could join forces and take out someone that they didn't like. Verse 4, And they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance uh, for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. And they would uh, come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. Verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. Say all. Remember that. And drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. He reminds them of their reality. He reminds them of the... It's interesting that um, God doesn't rewrite history. He just says it how it was. So in the reality, what do we see? How did all this happen? They did evil in the sight of the Lord in verse 1. God is patient. He's loving. God is grace. But he's also just. This is the Old Testament pattern. They love God. I really believe Israel loved God. They chose sin. We can see that. And then they loved the sin more than God. And God must deal with sin. Can I tell you what happens in our daily lives? I do really do believe we love God. The genuine believer is going to love God. And then we choose sin. And then we love the sin more than God. You ever notice that our response to God dealing with our sin is met with justification? It's met with whining and it's met with complaining. You ever notice that? Uh, you know what else I noticed in my prayer life? God doesn't have a complaint department. There's two things he doesn't have in my prayer life. He doesn't have a complaint department. You know, if you have a complaint, you know, you take it up with God. In fact, Brian Reynolds, we, our joke here is uh, when you're serving here, you know, he's used to working union all the time. He says, I got a complaint. I said, hey, if you got a grievance, you got to take it up with God. I'm not, I'm middle management. You got to take it up. You need a bigger shop steward than that. So, uh, but God doesn't have a complaint department. You know what else I found out about God in my prayer closet? He doesn't have a suggestion box. 
He's not all that concerned with my suggestions. Our first response needs to be what? Repentance. That seems to be our last response. Our last response, we need to make that our first response. So where was the Old Testament Israel? Look in verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds, which are in the mountains. They were hiding. They were finding a safe place to hide. <clears throat> uh, and this is seven years of oppression that they were under right here. And it caused them to hide everything, food, family, livestock, their livelihood. They had to hide absolutely everything. Now think about this for a minute, for a moment. When we deal, sometimes when things come our way, we don't like it. And, 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 and we make to our own choosing, this is where we are. But this time of trial was, went on for seven years. Think about that length of time for a moment. That's a long time, or it's a short time. It's a short time when we look back, right, 2020, 2013. It wasn't all that long ago. It just doesn't seem, seven years doesn't seem all that long. But when you look at the hardships, when we were, how many years were we in the old building trying to figure that thing out? That felt like seven times seven. Seven times 70 is what it felt like. It felt like forever. But they were oppressed for seven years. They had to hide, sneaking and creeping, looking over their shoulders, making sure the enemy or scouts didn't find them. Their livelihood was destroyed. They couldn't survive, verse 3 through 6, for seven years. That was their reality. There was no wishing it away. There's no um, uh, uh, perception as reality. It was thrown out the window. You couldn't, well, they're just not there anymore. They were running for their lives, scared for their lives, scared for their children, scared for their grandchildren, scared for their next meal is how they're having to live their life. That was their reality. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Scott, what does this have to do with me today in 2020? We are in a battle against evil. Ephesians tells us you can't see this evil all the time. Sometimes you can. You can see it manifested out. By the way, if you see anybody or any institution glorifying the sins of Romans 1, that would be a sign of evil. You think, well, what are the sins of Romans 1? Read the back half. Read the back of Romans 1. Anything that's glorifying those sins is going to, at the root of it is going to be evil, even though they're nice people doing it. I highly encourage you to read the end of Romans 1. If you see anybody or anything glorifying sin, it, the root of it is going to be coming from evil. Number two, as we think about this, is the reckoning. Ooh, I like that word. The reckoning means setting of accounts. God is going to set the account straight. Look in verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Israel cried out to the Lord. It's more, this is more than emotion, an emotional plea. The word means to cry out from help from the heart, deep. More of a moaning than, a, than words. It's a cry from pain or fear. It would be the opposite that we see in the Bible. Remember, remember in Jesus' day how they would have hired professional mourners? 
that they would hire them to mourn at funerals so in 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 substitute for the family to show the emphasis these israel was crying out for reals verse 7 through 9 god sends a prophet to guide and inform them aren't you grateful for the word of god that guides and informs i'm grateful for the word of god that reminds it reminds we are such a forgetful people i am he tells them a beautiful story of salvation and rest and restoration uh, it's that same old story again oh my let's look at that verse three uh verse six sorry and it says, so Israel was greatly impoverished because the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet. He sent a proclaimer. Somebody's going to proclaim the word to them, to the children of Israel. Right on time, God sends them, not a leader, but he sends them himself through his word. And what is that word? Thus says the Lord God of Israel. I'm going to paraphrase for a moment. Remember when I brought you out of Egypt? You remember that? Do you remember when I brought you out of Egypt? You think this is bad. Remember back then. Now, some of these would not have known that. They would have only heard the same old story. They'd have only heard the same old stories from the same old people. But the, the, the reality was that did happen. And the reckoning was God set the record straight. When it looked hopeless... That's when God stepped in and took care of his own. When, 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 uh, uh, Israel, when, when Egypt, when, when Pharaoh, when Pharaoh had them, cornered, had them under his thumb, that's when God stepped in. That's when they're at the Red Sea. And he's reminded them of that same old story. And, 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 and Moses is there, and there's the Red Sea, and here, come, here they come. They're on our heels. What happened? When Moses stepped in the rod. Remember, it was God who did those things. He was minding them. We know enough about God, how he's worked in our lives in the past, to know we can trust him with today, to know how he's going to work in the future. All right, you're falling asleep. That's it was a good spot for an amen right there. If he's working in your life, you're going to see this is how he's worked in the past. I can trust him with today. I know he's going to be there in the future. At least the book says so. Amen? He's there for you, believer. If you're not a believer today, man, let me look right at the camera today. If you're not a believer today, what you're hearing, you're not going to be able to claim and own for yourself. You're not going to be able to own it. Genuinely coming to Christ is a beautiful thing. It's a freeing thing. So in verse 8, he sent in the prophet to remind them how I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage oh and listen to verse 9 and i delivered you out of the hand of egypt and out of the hand of all say all all who oppress you and drove them out before you and gave you their land mm. listen to the words god brought bondage i delivered all who oppressed drove them out i'm so grateful we have a strong and powerful god we have a loving savior this is the exact same situa situations that they found themselves in that their forefathers were in. History repeats itself a lot, doesn't it? 
God's going to reckon this account. God says that he is Lord in verse 10. Also, I say to you, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord God, but he even emphasizes your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in, who, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Don't fear their gods. Again, God has, has to refocus their attention and faith on him. God's word speaks of courage a lot. He has to refocus them onto what's true and what's right. You ever had trouble focusing before? You know, I think um, you hang around kids. You ever seen kids, they bounce from here to there and here to there. And we, we tease around and say, they have ADD, right? And I, I use the term spiritual ADD, which I get. I'm, I'm bouncing around. But I'm starting to think that uh, lack of focus from these kids is, is you can pick it up from them. I think it's contagious. I've, 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 I am, the older I get, I'll go into certain places and forgot why I went in that room. I just, your brain checks out. We constantly have to be focused back on God because we're distracted so, so easily. And it says here, this is an interesting, speaking of spiritual ADD moment, when it talks about the angel of the Lord here, in these last several verses of uh, going down to 10, angel of the Lord here, uh, it, it means messenger, but the language points to Jesus himself. In verse 14, verse 16, verse 23, 25, 27, the language points that it's Christ himself. What better to focus on than Jesus Christ himself? You know, by the way, be reminded, never in the Bible do we see anyone giving Attention, un, uh, unwarranted attention to an angel and them accepting it. They refuted. So we see the reckoning as well, the reality and the reckoning. And now we see in verse 3 through 5, the reluctance, reluctance. What are we talking about today? This battle that we have in evil. And sometimes it's an evil for your own heart. It's an evil for your own heart. The reluctance, verse 13 through 15. Gideon was the leader. He was leading Israel at that time. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Oh, let's just, can we stop there for a minute? Can we just stop there and look in your life? Lord, Gideon's saying, My Lord, if, if you're with us, why is all this happening? That question comes up a lot in the Bible. Why? Uh, no, it, it, you question it a lot of what happens in the Bible. Why? But I don't think you question the Bible as much as you do your own personal life. God, if I've given my life to you, Christ, I've given my life to you, Holy Spirit, I've given myself over to you, then why is this happening? It's a, it's, it's a, a fair and honest question if you're inquisitive, if you really want to know the answer. But if you're asking in a doubting tone, you're missing it. You're going to miss it. Gideon has to be very careful here. Watch, well, watch what happens. But he does ask that question, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I'm getting ahead of myself, but what he says in verse 13 is where, why is it happening? And what about all the stuff you did in the past? 
Listen, we know, just a simple study, you can see what Gideon's missing here. Why can we see it? Because we're armchair quarterbacks, baby. It's Monday morning. We can look back and go, man, this is where they made their mistakes. But they're living it. They're playing the game. You're, when you're living life, you're in the game. Well, be careful, life's not a game. But you're living life. And it's easier to look at somebody else's life and tell them where they're missing, where they're going astray, even be judgmental. But to look at my own, that's not your job to do. Gideon's going before God, and he's saying, oh, my God, if the, why is this happening? Then he says, where? Why and where is the two words in verse 13 that should stand out? Where are, are all the miracles? If I've been asked once, I've been asked a hundred times, how come, where's the God? How come we don't see miracles like we, we read about in the Bible all the time? They're happening. You may not see them. You may not, you may not even know about them. I don't think you should know about them, perhaps. But he's wanting to see them, which our fathers told us about. Remember them guys that were saying the same old stories? They kept telling them the same old Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now I want to be careful here in verse 14. He's not saying... Cowboy up, Gideon. You got it within you. You're going, to, you're going to lead Israel. That's not what he's saying. When he says, then the, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in, go in this might of yours. You know what that's telling us? That verse 13, his why and his where is reminding himself and reminding the Lord of the power that he had done. So don't misread that and think you can do it. It's not, that's not what God's saying. He's not going, come on, Gideon, you can do this. He's going, you want to go in my might? Look at verse 13, you're going to go in my might with that? Now you got something to work with. Now you're going to honor me. Now you're going to follow me. By the way, Gideon's fixing to see a miracle. Did I say fixing? I probably did there. Verse 14, or verse 15, I want us to read. It says, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know what happened? Gideon's the underdog. He's not supposed to be there. I love those situations. Let's go ahead and do this anyways. Why? Have you ever asked that question? Sure. It's a familiar question. I think we've asked why. Sometimes we get the answer. Sometimes we don't. The purpose of everything is to know God. The purpose of everything he's up to is to know God. That's what happens here with Gideon. He didn't get the answer. He didn't get the why. He got something better. Watch what happens. Verse 14, God said to trust and obey. God, uh, perhaps God doesn't answer our why question because it would blow our minds. Perhaps we would do, we, we would do anything expecting a certain out we wouldn't do anything expecting a certain outcome but my favorite answer to that is it's because you might miss experiencing him you might miss the presence of god in your life reluctance again verse 15 and he said to him oh my lord how can i save israel indeed my clan is the weakest in manasseh i am the least in in my father's house 
He's giving more reluctance. He is pushing God's patience, I would say the least. God uh, does so much with little. Let me take you to another verse to remind you of this. Keep your finger there in Judges, but go to 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and, and 27. God does much with little. You may think, I don't have much, I'm not much, but if you will come with that humility, that brokenness before him, he empowers us to do things well beyond what we're capable of. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 26 and 27. I'm going to have Andrew put that on the screen for you as well. It reads, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, and not many, not many mighty, nor many noble are called. <clears throat> but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. You know what he's showing? In simplest terms, God does a whole lot with just a little bit. Is the Bible not chock full of, of, of examples where God has done way beyond what anybody could imagine with just a little Elijah, Elisha? On and on we see that. So if you ever get to thinking, I don't have a lot to offer beautiful, great. Those are the ones that God wants. I've heard pastors, I've heard people say, that person's so talented. If they would just give their heart to the Lord, imagine what they could do for the ministry. God does not need that person. You give me a person with extreme humility that would be broke before God versus a person with all the talent in the world that don't have an ounce of character or integrity in their life. The sharp people, the talented people, are the ones that can lead astray. But when you're humble and broke before him, let him build you up. That's what Gideon found out just a few verses earlier. God whittled down Gideon's army so only God could claim the victory in the very next chapter. Hey, Gideon, you got too many people. You want to see a miracle? Man, if I was God, I'd be so sarcastic. I'd make a terrible God. Gideon, you want, to, you want to see a miracle? I'll tell you what. We're going to whittle your army down here. Remember the miracles you were talking about in verse 14? Remember? And you were kind of like, hey, what about that? Okay, I'm going to take you to a miracle, but you got to do it my way. Go face this enemy with just a little tiny bit. No, 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 you still got too many. No, you still got too many. Yeah, let's go with that number. Let's go with that number. He whittles that army down to where no statistic, statistic with the numbers, he would know that he would win that battle but God but God God delights to advance the humble are you humble today don't answer that if you answer yes you probably weren't God delights to advance the humble see what Gideon might have missed if he didn't trust and obey See what Gideon might have missed if God had answered his question to why? Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Stop bugging God with the why question so much. Stop bugging him with that. You're better off not knowing the why 
and watching and experiencing and watching the outcome. If you knew the why, you may become frozen or apathetic to what God's up to. He can't show you what he's up to because you will not move or you'll try to do too much. He tells us to trust and obey him. He tells us, just follow me. That's all you got to do is follow me. The fourth is this, is God's response. God's response, the reality, the reckoning, the reluctance, and now the response. God's response is in verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You're going to win. You're going to win. Can I remind you today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you win. I don't care what anybody says. In fact, you're going to have naysayers. You win. You're on the winning side when your life is given over to Christ. Follow this. He's not on your side. You got to go on his side. You win. Read the back of the book. You win. You win. You know that God is every day of your life, even with ailments and aches and pains and, and all that, that can go on. You win. You win. Don't listen and fall for the noise. The response, God's response, a reminder that God is with him. In verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. Can you be reminded as a New Testament Bible-believing, double-dunk, Baptist fundamental person that you have the Holy Spirit indwelt within you? Permanent residence. He has settled down in your life. Pursue, listen, follow. He will never leave you. Gideon had the reminder that God is with him. We as believers have the reminder that the Holy Spirit is with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to bail out on you. You win. Verse 16, I am with you and you shall. Say shall. Ooh, that's an old-timey word, isn't it? They try to take that word out of the Bible in the newer translations. Shall is a beautiful word. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. He can't see it from human eyes. You, I, he cannot see this thing. Our army's now this big, is going to be this big. He's going to have to trust. And, and, and all the odds are against, and God says, no, nah, don't worry, you're going to win. Have I not sent you? You know what I think he's reminding Gideon there at the very end? Hey, God's response to all this. This is one-on-one -on -one talk. I think God with Gideon. One-on-one. -on -one. Yes, you're a leader and all these other people. And yes, we need to come together. And yes, we need each other. But don't forget at the end of the day, it's you and the Lord. I think that God is reminding Gideon of his call. Of his personal call to follow him in verse, the end of verse 16. You shall defeat. You'll fight and beat this overwhelming army as if one man, little as much when God is in it. So to wrap our minds around this this morning, I'm referring to us as being in a spiritual battle 
against evil. We don't, it's not against people, it's against evil first and foremost. Now you'll see it manifest in different people. You'll see it, perhaps, maybe. Again, go to the end of 1 Romans 1. If you see any of those sins glorified, that's probably the root of it. It's probably going to be evil. But where the American soldier has felt and faced many of, of the steps when fighting for the right cause, and if we'll be honest, there's several conflicts and police actions that we lost purpose. We weren't even sure why we were there anymore. Again, that's another topic for another day. We were there. But the Christian perhaps faces these truths as we stand for truth in our life. I can't spiritualize every war. I'm not, no way would I even do that. No way in the world. But thank you to our vets that navigate through the trying times that you had. My hope is that these things are done to keep freedom ongoing in this country. But I can spiritualize every war in your life. I, I can. I can take the Bible and spiritualize every war going on in your life. The reality is there is a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for your life. The reckoning will come. God is with you. Our reluctance is really a lack of faith. But God's response is as powerful as the creation of the universe. So today I want uh, to be reminded, thank you vets, veterans, and I want you to be reminded that you are in a battle, every believer. My hope and prayer is that you know Christ today, and now you'll put him, now that, now that you are reminded that, you'll put him at the forefront of your life, pursuing him. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that? Dear Lord, we love you today. We are grateful to know that you're not asleep at the wheel. You're not checked out. You are very much engaged. We're asking why, perhaps a lot. May we get past that question. May we just trust and obey, follow and watch and do and be vessels for what you desire. Help us in our walk with you. Keep our eyes fixed on you. We pray for many that aren't here today that are actually church members that desire to be here and can't be. We lift them up before you and do a work in our life. But Lord, do a work at all times. May we be reminded of your activity in our life. It can't be just today in this limited time that we feed on your word. Help us to grow, I pray in his name. Amen. I needed to uh, make you aware of just several things and then um, we'll be dismissed. Um, one is uh, many of you know that um, Barb Tharp uh, went on our cross talk on Friday that she is uh, diagnosed positive with COVID-19. So as I was talking with Barb um, on the phone, uh, 
And by the way, if I know everybody has their, I couldn't get through to her because everybody kept calling her. You got to let me call first. But um, she had woke up Thursday. She had a, a fever and kind of wasn't going away. So she went and they said, well, let's get tested. And then she got the results on Friday and it tested positive. And uh, she said she feels fine. She feels okay. She said, I don't feel that achy, sicky, anything like that. She's more troubled on how she got it. She can't figure out in the world how she got this thing. She drives with her mask on. She's been here a handful of times, but she's more frustrated that she got it. But she does ask for a prayer request, and I did not know this. I had actually planned to say this line anyways today prior to Barb being diagnosed, and that was this. Do be reminded that COVID, not so much the cases, but the effects of it is very real, okay? It's, it's a real thing. It's not fictitious. Uh, you can debate and argue over all the other peripheral stuff. So just be reminded that is very real. But the prayer request for Barb is this, that it doesn't move to her lungs, okay? Um, what I didn't know, she told me that the doctor told her that uh, people that... Uh, contract COVID-19 that it's 85 percent of I should say 15 only 15 percent of them it affects the lungs but when it does it's very very uh, severe okay very severe so that would be the prayer is that it doesn't move to her lungs um, but she sounded good as of Friday um, and but she does covet our prayers to so being praying for for Barb Tharp uh, uh, today Two other things I want to mention. One is the women's uh, Bible study books. They're here. They're back at the Welcome Center. So if you uh, should have gotten a notice about that for the ladies' Bible study, uh, see Danielle at the back. Uh, that's where the books are. And then the third is this. Again, if you stood up today by way of Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, or Coast Guard, make sure, I think they're actually at, uh, outside in the canopy, make sure to stop and receive your uh, your gift from Cross Point Baptist Church. Those are for those that actually serve. So uh, we have a limited number. If you please don't, hey, my neighbor served. I'd like to take one. We can't do that. Um, it's for those that served um, and are here today. And those that of our church that aren't here, we'll make sure that you get one, the Bobs and, and, and Jims and so forth. And we'll mail them to those uh, Juan and Jake and those guys as well. Christina, you have anything we need to know about Operation Christmas Child? Next Wednesday. Yeah. So next Wednesday is our drop-off day. If they're not here, you're going, don't show up Thursday. Don't call me Thursday going, is it too late? It will have been too late. Right? They have to be mailed. And it is $9 per. If you can cover that, that would be great. If you don't, the church will. Yes. Yep, no toothpaste, liquid. If you can't take it on an airplane, don't put it in a box. Fair enough? Yep, all right. So church, um, I would ask you to dismiss from the back to the front and enjoy your day. Thank a vet. Amen? You are dismissed.